Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoyed this message today. Good morning, church. It's so good to see so many guests here supporting and loving on your family and friends that are here. So you are amazing. Well done for, for coming along and, and supporting these guys. Uh, and this morning, I just want to encourage us um, with the word. And I just want to first of all say thank you to Pastor Nicole and Steve for giving me the opportunity to come and um, speak here this morning. It is, it is absolute privilege to be able to do this. So thank you very much. And also, as a youth pastor, I want to give a, a shout out to uh, the C3 Youth Queens Beach youth team. Um, and so, uh, Yanni, Sean, and AJ, wherever he is, uh, he's in kids as well. Um, these guys are incredible. They just finished up a year on Friday of running youth. And so, if you didn't didn't know, every Friday night, they come and they set this place up. Um, just them three, they, they prepare messages. They, they're praying for, for, you know, hours on end. They're, um, yeah, strategizing and planning for Friday nights to happen for the next generation of this church to, to know Jesus and all that. And so these guys are incredible. So I just want to, yeah, thank you guys as well. Um, you guys are amazing. It's good. I, I love the youth team. Um, they are, they're so generous towards me, and every year they get me an incredible gift. Um, uh, yeah, so generous to me. And um, last year, they got me a gift to go skydiving. Now, has anyone here been skydiving before? Anybody? Couple of people. Yeah, three? Anyone? Would, who would like to go skydiving once? It's on their bucket list. Anyone? No? A few heads just shaking. No? <laughs> That's cool. It's in, it's interesting to find out. And so, I went skydiving this year, and it was yeah, it was an awesome experience. It was on Rottnest, so apparently it's one of the best places to do it because it's you know just beautiful turquoise blue color ocean, and then the, and then the island as well. And so and the cockers, you can see them um, as well. But <laughs> so yeah, I went skydiving, and I was super excited going over on the ferry. Super excited, but also very nervous. Like I, I have a bit of a weak stomach, and I don't really go on the rides like at Adventure World or anything like that. Um, so I was a bit scared. I was like, what's going to happen? I'm going to fall out of the plane, but is my guts going to fall out as well? Like what's going to happen? Anyway, I got there, and they, they kitted me up with all the, you know, the straps and everything. And I met my instructor who I was going to be strapped to because I was doing tandem skydive. Um, he, was, he was a Kiwi guy. He was, so, he was such a nice guy. And he has done over 7,000 jumps. 7,000 jumps. So he does an average of six jumps out of a plane every day. This guy, a dad, he's got you know, kids and a, family, like a wife as well, and he does this every day. What a job. And so... You know, he took me out to see the plane, and I don't know what I was expecting, but it is the most tiniest plane I've ever seen. So basically, there's one driver, and then me, and then this this instructor in the plane. And so the, the instructor, he hops into the back of the plane, and he's sitting in there, and he's like, okay, you can hop in as well. And so I jump in, and he's like, take a seat. And I'm like, okay. He's like, no, take a seat on my lap. And I was like, oh, uh, so, sure. Okay, this is, this, what has, this is what has to happen. And so no one ever tells you this part about their skydiving story, but I've come to tell you the truth today that, you know, most people focus on the falling part of the skydiving story, which is awesome, but most of your skydiving story is actually just sitting in someone's lap, <laughs> flying up into the air. So, so the truth is it's like 15 minutes of sitting on someone's, a stranger's lap, flying up into the sky, and then only five minutes of falling out of the, out of the plane. 
And if he's done over 7,000 skydives, how many hours of people sitting on him has he... It's just... Anyway, I'll digress. So I'm sitting on this guy's lap in a plane, and I'm, like, strapped to him, and, he, and he's trying to make small talk with me. It's so awkward. He's just in my ear, like, oh, the ocean looks really nice today, and I'm, like, so awkward. I'm just trying to enjoy the view. And so we get to the height we need to skydive and we open the door, the wind is, you know, going crazy and the instructor, he said he, he has to sit on the edge of the plane. It's, it gets even more weird. So he's sitting on the edge of the plane. What does that mean for me? I'm just dangling there outside the plane like I'm, you know, like a, on a baby carrier, you know, one of those. So I'm just not, not grabbing onto anything. I'm just sitting there looking. It's, it's absolutely stunning. It's beautiful. But I'm just sitting there. And anyway, the instructor counts down from three. We fall out of the plane and fire out. It was a thrill. It was amazing. All you want to do is just scream and yell and go crazy. It was, it was the best feeling. Like your cheeks, they're flapping around. You're, you're falling through the sky. It's really loud. And then all of a sudden, the instructor, he pulls the parachute out. And it goes from being crazy and loud all of a sudden to just calming and quiet. And it's beautiful. It's just so peaceful. You can't hear anything. And again, people don't tell you about this, this skydiving story, this part of it. But it's again, it's so peaceful. And it's just you and this random guy <laughs> just enjoying this moment um, here in the middle of, of the sky. Just amazing view. And then again, he's just right here on my shoulder like, oh, do you like the view? And I'm like, yes, it's, it's great, mate. Thanks for that. Um, Anyway, we, we, he let me to, you know, control the parachute. We went down, safe, safely landed, and it was. And skydiving is an incredible experience. Falling through the sky is a thrill. I encourage you to do it once in your life. It's awesome. Anyway, this, this morning, as you can see, the message says, love is committed. And I want to talk about the idea of love. And I think there can be this over-booming idea in our world that, that love should be like the thrill of skydiving, you know, that five minutes of skydiving, that love is when you get swept off your feet. It's, you know, when everything is working together and easy between friendships or family relationships. It's love when you are happy and you have all the good feelings, but as we know, the reality is that love is not that easy. Love doesn't always feel like you're just skydiving through the sky. Most of the time, it's actually very mundane and beige, and it can feel like you're just sitting on someone's lap for 15 minutes. Um, love doesn't always feel like you're just falling through the sky. And, you know, sometimes it can actually feel like you have no parachute and you just hit the ground. And love can... You know, loving others can especially be hard when it, when it comes to Christmas time. And here we are on the 1st of December, about to get into the, the Christmas season. And, you know, loving people in our family, it, it can be hard. Families are complex and it can sometimes feel like you're walking on eggshells when you're around certain people at times. And, and so how can we as followers of Christ love more like Jesus? How can we love others during this Christmas season that reflects the love of Jesus and His heart for our families and our friends and um, people that we meet? How can, our experience, how can others experience the love of God through our lives? And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. Love is committed. And yes, so often it can be hard to have a committed love towards any others. Can anyone agree with me right now? Yeah? People aren't perfect. People let us down all the time. People are annoying. And they say hurtful things and they do hurtful things. 
And sometimes it can actually be really hurtful and can feel so undeserving. And I find it hurts the most when it's people that are closest to us that let us down. That, that, that's when it really hurts. And the reality is we are all sinful. We are all messed up, broken people. I, I don't think I've met a perfect person in my life. And yet God showed us how committed His love is towards us. And He did this when he, His Son Jesus willing, willingly went to the cross for you and I. And on that cross, Jesus, he absorbed the collective result of all our sin and our mess. And he took it all upon himself and he let it kill him. But because God's love is so permanent and committed to us, God raised Jesus from the dead, showing us that our sin, our guilt, our mistakes do not have power over his love and his grace for you and I. And so God's love, first of all, is committed to us. But it doesn't stop there. God calls us to have this same love for those around us. This is where it gets really hard. God has actually created us to love others. We actually find the most fulfillment in life when we are loving other people, when our gifts and our talents, they come alive, you know, when when they're being used to love on other people. And we glorify God the most when we're loving others. In the New Testament, this is pretty cool. It says that there's actually only three direct references to the statement, love God. But in the New Testament, there's over 200 direct references about loving others, which, you know, God's really trying to show us something here. So our families, our friends, this world needs real love of Jesus Christ. You know, love that isn't just here one minute and God then gone the next, but committed love, a love that is self-sacrificing, love that is willing to go on the grit and the grind. Love that is willing to fight for union. Love that never gives up. Love that is willing to forgive. And again, this Christmas season is an opportunity for us to really demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ to our family and friends. And so love is committed. So with that said, what does it actually look like to live out a a, a committed love to others? And I believe that we find the answer of that in the Word of God. As we get the Word of God in us, it it shapes us and it molds us. It transforms the way we think, the way we see this world, the way our heart is towards others. And, you know, Jesus Christ, He is the Word. And as we get the more of the Word in us, we become more like Jesus, who is love. And so, again, the the, the Word is is not just writings on a page, but it is alive. It is God-breathed. And so we're going to read the Word this morning. And 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7, you might have heard this scripture before. It's read out in a lot of um, weddings, maybe Sean and Yanni's, I don't know. could happen. But it's a famous scripture that talks about uh, what committed love looks like towards others. So 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 should come up on the screen. It says this, it says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude does not insist on its own ways, is not irritable or resentful, does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Incredible scripture. There's so much in there. And then Paul, he wrote this scripture, and he was writing to the church in Corinth. And Corinth was a, it was an ancient city in Greece that was basically like a, a hybrid of Amsterdam, Las Vegas, and Hollywood, only crazier. It was a highly sexualized city where the idea of love was completely messed up and distorted. 
And Paul here, he is reminding the, the church of Corinth that real love, which God defined, was displayed in the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. He was saying that true love is actually, a, it's a lifestyle. Love is practical. Love is something that you live and you walk and you talk out every day. And here in verse 7, Paul says, he says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And, you know, you can notice the emphasis here on that word all. All. In other words, there's no exceptions. There are no trap doors, back doors, or escape hatches from love. If we're truly going to love each other like God has loves us and create us to love, then we have to be committed. It has to be committed for it to be real love. It's easy to love those who love you. Can anyone agree? Yes, it is. And Jesus, he talked about this in his, his famous sermon on the mountain, Matthew 5. But it takes a divine love, a supernatural love, to love those that do not love us back or let us down. Yeah, that is the only love that is going to change this world, love that is committed. And so this morning, my prayer is that we'll all grow in being people who genuinely have a committed love towards others in our world. Paul says that all the time and in every situation, love does these four things. It bears, believes, hopes, and endures. And this morning, we're going to quickly look briefly at these four different characteristics of love that is committed. So the first one, love bears all things. Now, when Paul uses the word bear, he isn't referring to a big, furry, four-legged animal, Um but he's referring to another version of that. Okay, so anyway, this, this letter that Paul has written, it was originally written in the Greek, and the term translated bear is actually related to the Greek word for roof. Roof. So the term literally means put a roof on. And like a roof, Paul was telling the church of Corinth that love is a shelter. Love is a cover. Love protects, it shields and conceals. It is a place where people can feel safe. And like, isn't that who we want to be for our family and friends? Like, I sure do. We want to be those family members, those friends to others that are approachable and that can be trusted. So when our friends and our family members are going through a tough time or need help, they know who they can go to, who they can speak to and open up to. You know, a good friend, a a good family member who loves is a person that opens up their arms, that is a shelter for others, that is willing to listen, that is willing to, you know, make that phone call and say, check in, how are you going? What, what's the deal? Can I help in any way? And just being that person that's open with our lives so people can come and rest and find shelter. And this is what it means. It means that when people tell us stuff, we don't judge them or gossip uh, about what they've said, but we actually listen and, and embrace where they're at. And so love is a shelter. Love bears all things. And so we can Simply show the love of Christ to others by being a person that is approachable, that actively listens (laughs) to other people, that can be trusted and puts a roof over others. And so love is committed when love bears all things. Number two, love believes all things. Love believes all things. In other words, love looks for the best. It doesn't mean you don't see the worst. It just means that even in the middle of the worst time of someone's life, you remember the best, celebrate the best, remind that person of the best, and believe the best. Because when, when love believes all things, it doesn't mean we say that the bad things that that, that person has done, that those hurtful things, we're not saying it's okay, we're not condoning what they have done. 
But as the scripture, you know, it's telling us that we're not just accepting every wrongdoing of others. But the scripture is saying is that when love believes all things, it comes to that person with a disposition, believing that there is more to the story. And every person, including ourselves, has hurt others and, you know, we, we've done bad things that, uh, and it's because we're all broken people. But when love believes all things, it believes that there is more to the story. When, when love believes all things, we take that disposition that maybe this person has said this hurtful thing or done this hurtful thing because, you know, they've, they're hurting themselves. They've, you know, they've done something wrong. They're struggling with something or they're having a rough day. They're going through something themselves. And just a little, you know, simple example of this. I say in this year, um, I, I was walking to, to work. So I work at church, but also work in another job. And I was um, walking to, to work and I was wearing like, you know, like a shirt and pants and all that. And I had this random guy come up to me and just start swearing at me and started yelling at me and going up at me because he thought I was rich or something. And he was just saying all this stuff to me. And it was just like, so what the heck? What's this guy doing? And um, anyway, like I, I just realized like this, this was just you know, terrible. What is this guy doing? He doesn't know me at all. And so I, I could have gone home and I could have believed that, you know, this guy hurt me um, because, you know, it was of he was just a bad person. Or I could believe that, you know, this guy's actually experienced something in his past to cause him to lash out at me. There's a reason behind him lashing out at me. And so um, that's just an example. And so practically how we can have a love that believes all things. And, you know, what I've learned through this experience and others is that we just need to stop and pause. You know, the classic think before you speak, not just retaliating when someone does something bad or says something bad towards us, but stopping and pausing and believing with love that, hey, there might be more to this story. That's what Jesus does. He doesn't just point the finger at people, but he reaches people where they're at. And so love that is committed believes all things. Thirdly, love hopes all things. And so what it does, uh, what does it mean that love always hopes? It means that, that love holds on to eventual development. Love recognizes that where we are is not where we're always going to be. We are on a journey. We are works in progress. All of us are. Has anyone here seen uh, the Terminator movies? Anyone? Anyone like the? I haven't seen the new one yet. Uh, any good? Yeah. Anyway, it's a classic action. It's not good. Cool. I'm sure it's like six of them, so I'm sure about the sixth one, it's not that good. Anyway, Terminator movie. In the first, in the first Terminator movie, we see Arnold Schwarzenegger as a Terminator. He is like this robot from the future. He's sent back in time to kill Sarah Connor, this this woman. And he's, he's betrayed as this evil bad guy with, the, you know, that little red eye. Um, and all that. And, you know, if you only watched the first Terminator and you, you took a snapshot of, of his character and you captioned it and you filed away as your forever definition of him, you would think the Terminator is a very bad guy. However, if you keep watching in the second movie, it's, it's amazing. Um, the Terminator, he turns from be to being a good guy and he actually protects Sarah Connor and her son. And you see, this is, you know, a little example, but you see so often when someone does something bad or wrong or disappoints us, we can so easily just take a snapshot of how that person is, caption it and file it away as our forever definition of them. We can so easily label and limit that person. 
But that isn't what God does. And God doesn't label or limit you and I either. When love hopes all things, it holds on to eventual development. It believes that things will eventually change. You know, your family member, your friend, they are a work in progress. God has them on a journey. And so take your video instead because things will change. And for love to be committed, Christ-like love, it cannot work when people are polished and proper and generally pleasant. Christ-like love has to work with people in the rough and in the downtime when things are hard. Committed love that has to be able to say, I know you're on a journey, but I love you right where you are. Sooner or later, you're going to make progress. But in the meantime, I love you and I'm committed to you. Committed love needs to hope because we all have a long way to go. And so when we say you're on a journey, what we're really saying is you're pretty much a train wreck. <laughs> you're off the tracks right now and actually you can't even find the tracks. But I believe that God is going to put you back on the tracks in due time and he's going to get you going again. Love, hopes, all things. And my last point tonight, love endures all things. This morning, sorry. Love endures all things. Yeah, long preach, guys. <laughs> get ready. Um, love endures all things. You might need that. Okay. Finally, yeah, love endures all things. <laughs> to endure means you don't retaliate or reject. To endure, to endure means you don't say, I'm done with you. You cross the line. I'm out of here. Paul was saying that love does not do that. Love does not write people off. It doesn't give people the silent treatment. It doesn't passive-aggressively dig out other people. It doesn't keep a mental list of offenses until it eventually erupts. But committed love is bigger than that. You know, again, the Bible isn't saying that we ignore sin or hurt or pain. We need to deal with that. But how we deal with that is by going to the love of our Father in heaven, who will never fail us, whose love is unconditional and always helps us and heals us. Now, our life is, is full of ups and downs. Sometimes we're really nice people. Sometimes we aren't that nice. Without a shadow of a doubt, our love for others will be tested at some point. And, you know, you, right now you're probably thinking of a situation where your love is being tested. And, you know, I've seen this with my own family when it comes to Christmas time. My mom, she's, um, she's the oldest of seven kids. She has four sisters and uh, two brothers. And they've got all, you know, kids as well and extended family. And so growing up, I loved it. We had these massive family gatherings, like over 30, 40 people coming along. Um, it was awesome. My mom, she's from India. Um, and so we would, I don't look Indian, I know. Um, but we would have these massive family gatherings, eat curry together. And it was, it was amazing. And so it was a great experience. But the last few years, it, it kind of hasn't looked like that. And, you know, people have you know, got angry at people, people have made mistakes and really hurt each other. And so the last few years, it's kind of, you know, been a bit different. There's only been like a handful of us doing Christmas together. But, you know, my mom, she has, she has shown me what it means to have an enduring love like Jesus. And she hasn't given up on anyone in the family. And, um, you know, especially those that have let her down in, in, in huge ways. And, and so she, over the years, she's kept, you know, calling up like, uh, how are you going with the other person in the family? Can I help? I'm praying for you. Like, I love you. I wish you could come to Christmas this year. And so kept persistently doing this, enduring with love. Um, and then the other week, we, we had breakthrough in our family where um, one of the family members was like, yep, 
you know what? I've, I've, I miss my family. Like I want to be there at Christmas time and I'm going to let go of that stuff and try again. And so I'm looking forward to this Christmas where we have, you know, some of the family back together, which is awesome. And, you know, I'm just sharing this story because I know it can be ridiculously hard to love others family members, friends, and, you know, we're supposed to love each other, but it can be hard at times. And, yeah, I also want to share this story because it's a reminder that, you know, we can see breakthrough, that love can break through things, the love of Christ when it's alive in us and flowing through us. When love endures, we can see breakthrough. You know, life isn't perfect and neither are we. And no matter how strong our relationships are with others, eventually we'll let each other down at different points and Sometimes these letdowns can actually be pretty horrific and hurtful. And it's in moments like these that, that God's love is the only force strong enough to endure all things. Sooner or later, good intentions, they burn out. And self-discipline, it fails. I've learned that before. What I've found that the only way to, to love others with enduring love is to be motivated and saturated with God's committed love. When we are motivated and saturated with God's love, there's no limit to what we can endure. There is no breaking point because no matter what happens, God's love is bigger. It is more committed. We can't fully comprehend it all. You know, Jesus, he never hit that breaking point. He never said, you hurt me one too many times. I'll still relate to you because I have to, but I'll not let you in emotionally anymore. I've drawn the line on you. He didn't say that. With his dying breath on the cross, Jesus asked God to forgive his executioners. That is the ultimate and enduring love. Jesus wasn't just going to you know, try to be a good example. Of, I hate you all, but just so I look spiritual, I'm going to say I forgive you. No, his prayer reveals the essence of who he is. The personification of God's unconditional love and forgiveness. Grace has no gaps. And love knows no limits. Love endures all things. I found that as I stop and reflect on the heights, the lengths, the widths and the depths of how far Jesus' love went for me, it helps me to go further in love for others. Again, we are all broken, messed up people in need of a Savior. And God did something about it. The gospel is that God is utterly committed and motivated by His love and care for us that he came and lived among us through Jesus and he showed us who we were created to be. But us, we, we failed. We didn't live up to that standard. And, and Jesus did something about it. On the cross, he absorbed the collective result of all our sin and our messed upness. He takes it all upon himself and he lets it kill him. But because God's love is so permanent and committed to us, God raised Jesus from the dead, showing us that our sin, our guilt, our mistakes, they do not have power over His love and grace for you and I. The resurrection of Jesus means that your sin, it does not get the last word. And so the only way we're going to live our lives of being people who love others is by first accepting the love of Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.